are in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 to 21. Please follow in the reading of the Word of God. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and to God, even the Father. Be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Father, teach us. This has uh, been a thrill for me, Lord. I pray that my brothers and sisters will drink deep of your holy word and uh, will grow by it in Christ's name. Amen. I'm dealing with being spirit-filled. Okay, then I've told you there's a lot of perversion about it out there today, but Paul is very specific about this. And one of the things you can tell about a spirit-filled person is that you will see that there is a reaction in them. Paul starts laying this out here in verse 19 of chapter 5, and he carries it all the way through to 9 of chapter 6. Okay? And it's basically saying... This will be the actions and the attitude, the nature and the character of a spirit-filled individual. Okay? And I started in with it last week, dealing with speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Okay, Several things that I touched on in that is that first and foremost, we sing a song of redemption. That is the new song. We have a new song. We Remember, be born again. You are a new creation. And we, because of that, have a new song. All right? And it, the end of verse 19, you sit there and it says, it comes from your heart and it goes to the Lord. Now you go listen to a lot of Christian music today and tell me that's what you're hearing. I had to throw that in there. I mean, Janice Joplin is more spiritual than some of these clowns. And I knew what she was singing about. But anyway, but you see what I'm trying to get at? It's laid out here that a spirit-filled Christian will have a melody in their heart. And it will go to the Lord. And it is based on the fact we've been redeemed. And so I was going through some of my information stuff, research and discovery, and I just went on a great adventure. Okay? God and singing. Okay? You will be amazed. Or maybe you already know it, and I just learned it, and I'm the one who's amazed. Okay? I can go back to Exodus 15, and Moses had a song that was a song of redemption. God had taken Israel out of Egypt. And he did it miraculously. And it is a picture of a redeeming God. It is a picture of God taking Israel through the sea on dry land, setting them on a firm foundation on the other side, and then drowning Israel's adversaries behind it. And it put a song in their heart. No kidding. I mean, can you imagine? 
And the rough estimates think that there was about 2 million Jews. Woo! And you know that it was from their heart. And you know it was to the Lord. If you want to, you can go to Exodus 15 and have a look at it. And I find it fascinating in 15. The first thing they did after getting across was the song of Moses that they were redeemed. Now think about that for a second. They were redeemed. The first thing they did. Judges chapter 5, Deborah and Barak. God delivered Israel. But if you go through Judges, it's a pretty regular thing. But he had delivered them again. And it's the first duet of redemption. Deborah and Barak sing praises to God. How magnificent God had spared his people. It was a song of the redeemed. It was a song of those who God wondrously, miraculously delivered from the bondage of sin. This is from the heart to the Lord. Okay? Second Chronicles 29 is a song of salvation, a song of redemption. And it comes out of the heart when the people realize that God has delivered them. God has delivered His people. Because you know what I'm learning? God loves music. The angels sang before the fall of man. Redemption is complete. Heaven forever will be filled with Singing once the millennial kingdom is set up. God loves music. God loves music. You know, most of the song, Psalms, okay, the book of Psalms is praises to God. I tell people who are going through bad things, I give them counsel. And I said, what you need to do when you're, you know, dealing with the darkness that is this world, take the book of Psalms, start in Psalm 1, verse 1, and begin reading. Read out loud. So that your ears hear what you're saying. Okay. And you'll realize that it's all praises to God. When you start praising God, you realize that your problems sort of go poof. It's just something I've noticed. But anyway, but most of the Psalms are written to be played to music. And yet we got to go out and I got a song out of heaven. God didn't want it. Well, he threw it down here. I don't, I don't get that. In the Old Testament, Some interesting facts. Did you realize that the temple, Solomon's temple, that there were 38,000 people who ministered in that temple daily? Well, you'd have to be friendly, wouldn't you? Did you realize that of that 38,000, 4,000 were musicians? I remember... Some guys, a lot of people know that I, 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 I do uh, cherish John MacArthur. And uh, they like to pick it. He said, but he doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't like music. He doesn't think there's good godly music out there. I said, well, there's not a lot of good godly music out there. But I wouldn't say that about him. Because, see, there's something I know about John that very few people know. 
He's got his doctorate in theology. Who would have ever thought of that, huh? You know what his minor was? Music. <laughs> so I find that fascinating. And I've actually heard him. Have you ever heard that song, Were You There? I heard him sing that. I was going to try it once. I only had to try it once. Okay? That means one out of nine of the people serving in the temple were musicians. God loves music. Now, people accuse me. They say, well, you don't like music. Yeah, I do. Love to death. When you can't sing, you love music. I mean, it's, it's that simple. I mean, if there's something you can't do, you really love that. Okay? The problem is, it's so simply stated there in verse 19. Make melody in your heart to the Lord. I mean, that's as simple as it gets. In Exodus chapter 15, 20 to 21, you see the first women's choir. You know who the conductor was? Miriam. First Samuel chapter 10, verse 5. There's a men's choir. The first men's choir recorded. It's made up of prophets. There's hope for me. Made up of prophets. Prophets got together and made a men's choir. I bet there was some sound theology in that music. You ever listen to a bunch of preachers sing? It, it'll change your attitude. It'll change your attitude. I mean, they, they even sing loud when they don't know the words. I've never sang this before, but by golly, I'm going to belt it out. First Chronicles 13, we see the first congregational singing. The whole of the people sang and praised to God. They sang with all of their might. I like that. You know what that means? If you can't carry a tune in a bucket, if it's coming out of your heart going to God, do it with all your might. See, I told you there's hope for me. <laughs> I remember one time we had a choir. And, uh, I told him, I said, you know, I sung in our senior choir when I was graduating high school. And he goes, really? I said, yeah. It got me out of two classes a day. <laughs> and you know what? I sang with all my might. <laughs> in First Chronicles 16, in verses 4 and 5, David put together a choir. Listen, I'm not a, an artist by any stretch of the imagination, but what I read of King David, he's a pretty good musician. So what kind of choir did he put together? Musicians are picky. First Chronicles 23, verse 5. Solomon's temple had a 4,000-member choir. When Ezra had been released from Babylonian captivity in Ezra 2, they began rebuilding the temple and the wall around Jerusalem. During the day, they had a 200-voice choir singing while they worked. Levites had a section of them that were trained as musicians. I remember the first time I went into Russia, I was at a couple of different churches. 
And some of the guys would have guitars, and then some of these guys had guitars that looked like a pear. And then uh, they had, and everybody had a piano, usually an upright piano. And I, I was noticing that that anybody that was in the building could play. I, I did not see a Russian who could not play the piano, pick up the guitar, and they all played. I mean, everybody. The pastor played the piano. And I mean, I'm not going, bing, 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 bing. I'm talking, they could, you know, I'm sitting there going, wow, man. And then it dawned on me, the only person in this church who can't play the piano is me. But, I, you know, after you get to talk to some of these people, they came out of communism. And in communism, there's only two radio stations. And you didn't get to pick what was on those radio stations. Television, you had two channels. Both of them were owned by Moscow. So you didn't get to, wasn't like, oh, I think I'm going to watch a rock concert tonight. You ain't watching nothing, man. Okay? So if you wanted music, guess what? You better learn to play it. And so everybody could play. And I mean, it was, it was stunning to me. But there's nothing more uplifting to sing a mighty fortress is our God with about 350 Russians. And I'm in English and they're not. But I mean, you could, you were in unity out of this songs. God likes it. Nehemiah chapter 12. There were two choirs. They've got a name for this. I just don't remember what it is. But you have two choirs and they sit face off with each other. And it's like a choir showdown. And they sing at each other. There's a... It's what? There you go. Antiphonal singing. And they sing at each other. God really likes that the best. And I'll show you in a little while. But they would sing at each other. But in Psalm 68, there was chanting that went along with the music. There were instruments. There were wind instruments. Flutes. And if you couldn't play a flute, you could always pick up a ram horn. Okay? There were stringed instruments. There were even drums. And they praised the Lord. Music is a way for the soul to release the praise. I mean, I can sing unto the Lord. My heart is so thrilled that I'm saved that I will sing out and I will sing loud. And yet we... Okay, now I turn my microphone off. I am not... I'm not, I don't dislike you guys that much. <laughs> it is an expression of my redemption. It is an expression of my redemption. Now then, we just did the Lord's table. Okay? In the New Testament, when Jesus gave us the Lord's table, what was the last thing they did before they walked across the Kidron Valley over to the garden? They sang a hymn. And it was a hymn. You know why I know it was a hymn? Because they all knew it. They sang a hymn after the Lord's table. In Acts chapter 4, verse 24, they had all come together, praise God, 
Peter had been released. And what did they do? They sang a hymn. Because they all knew the words. It was a piece of redemption that had happened and it stirred their hearts so much that they just sang. They just sang. Paul and Silas was arrested in Philippi, put in stocks in a jail. Spread out. You know what they did? Passed out tracks. Nope. They sang. And all of a sudden, everything opened up. 1 Corinthians 14, some of you will remember years ago, Paul was dealing with a very corrupt and goofy church. And he was talking about you sing with the Spirit, but you also sing with understanding. Okay? There's a lot of this stuff now is 27 words repeated 27 times. And you get done. What was that? Okay? He said that some of you have come together. Each of you has a song, and that's too much. It's like they were doing with tongues. Someone would have a word of prophecy. Someone would have a tongue. Someone would have this. And, it, and if an unbeliever walked in, they'd go, then people's crazy. Okay? Music is always with God's people. Always. It's in our heart. It's a new song. Not like anything ever before. It's all new. Because we are redeemed. Jesus returns. Sets up the millennial kingdom. Okay? At that time, sin on earth is dealt with. Guess what happens? The angels sing. Why? It's redeemed. Did you know that when Jesus, you know, I, have you ever heard of people all talk about in the Middle East? You'll know the end is near when the Jews get ready to build a temple. That's, that's the key. That's the key. Did you know that in the millennial kingdom, Jesus builds the temple? Okay. Did you know that Ezra or Ezekiel, Ezekiel describes it, starts in chapter 40 and then goes to describe the temple. A temple to glorify the Lord built by him. In that temple, now this, he's, yeah, it's, I was going to read it, the whole thing, and I thought, dude, we'll be Monday before we're done. In that temple that he builds, there will be huge choir loss, two of them, one on each side, and there'll be thousands in the choir loss, the two choir loss, and they will sing at each other over the throne of the Lamb. That's that, which choir can sound the best? Well, if you're in heaven, you're only perfect, so call it. (laughs) See, if Jesus, first thing in the millennial kingdom, 
is to build a temple to his glory. And it includes these two massive choir lofts. Can you see how God feels about music? Can you see how he feels, how he loves music? And that music that reflects that new song of redemption. Music that comes out of the spirit-filled life. That's what God loves. Okay, let me give you a picture here. The book of Revelations, chapter 14, beginning at verse 1. Then I looked, and behold, the Lamb was standing on Mount Zion, and with Him 144,000, having His name and the name of His Father written on their foreheads. Okay, now we all go in, well, these are 12,000 tribes of Jews. I was like, now you guys are missing this. These people just came through the great tribulation. Jesus has come down and has destroyed the armies of mankind in the valley of Megiddo. Okay? Now he's on the Temple Mount and he's got 144,000 who bear his name and the name of the Father written on his forehead. And I heard a voice from heaven, like the sound of many waters, like the sound of loud thunder. The voice which I heard was like the sound of the harpists playing on their harps. And they, okay, who is they? 144,000. What did they do? You hear the orchestra in heaven. And there they were, on Mount Zion with the Lamb, and they sang a new song before the throne, before the four living creatures, before the elders, and no one had learned the song except the hundred, the 144,000 who had been purchased from the earth. Now that's a real new song. They just went through seven years of awful. Their song of redemption had a heavenly orchestra behind it because their redemption was of the, what was left of Israel. God loves music. 15.3 of that book is basically the same idea again. And again, it is a song of redemption. It is a new song. Ephesians 5, when the Spirit-filled people come together, what do they do? Out of their heart, they sing to the Lord. Hmm. All right. Everybody got that down now, right? If we are redeemed, we sing. And we sing a new song. A song of our redemption. Okay? But you guys know me. I have some questions. 
speaking to one another, psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Okay? When Spirit-filled people come together, when we come together, we sing. Okay, who do we sing to? It's going to go to the Lord. But when we come together, among whom are we singing? To one another. Okay, yes, it is to the Lord. We're raising our voices jointly as praise to the Lord. Our songs are directed among ourselves to the Lord. When I'm by myself, I sing unto the Lord. When I'm with you, I sing unto the Lord, but I sing with you. The singing of the saints is always among ourselves. Now, I want you to think about this, because it makes sense if you think about it a few minutes. It's always to God, and it's always among ourselves. That's all through Scripture. You know what I'm trying to get at? There's no such thing as evangelistic music. Okay? Music can touch a pierced heart. But the heart has to be pierced first. And then music will release the emotion. But you never see the music piercing the heart. It must be the Gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the beginning of salvation, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. If you look at Philippians, it says, out of the worship of the word, what happens? We sing. We sing. Why? When I look at the word and I'm worshiping in the word, then I start drawing on my redemption. And therefore, my heart brings a melody forth to the Lord. Because I've heard people... I was at a big conference down in Albuquerque. And uh, the church was going through a war. And there was me and a handful... Some really good preachers. And then there was me. And... uh, we were bringing the pastors together. We each had a chance. We were going to get up there and speak. And uh, the head of the know, music committee, I don't know what it was, he came up to me and he said, uh, what song do you, do you want? I said, well, I don't care. <clears throat> well, you know, you need one for the beginning and one for the end. He says, what, what would you use to prime the pump? I said, what? He says, don't you need the pump primed? If I need to pump primed, I should go back to my room. Okay? And he, he he didn't get it. He just flat out did not get it. And I thought, no. I said, I don't want to start with a song. And I changed it. I said, I don't want to start a song. I said, but I want to hear Be Thou My Vision when I'm done. All right. Music can touch the pierced heart. But see, I have to give the gospel to pierce the heart. 
And then music will bring the expressions out of that. Music will and can strike a nerve, but it will be after the Word of the Lord has shattered the thoughts and intents of the heart and cut it asunder. And then the music goes in and you're like, oh, oh gee, but jumping in Jehoshaphat. I don't even know if that's a song, but it sounds good, huh? It is not a tool of evangelism. The tool of evangelism is the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am a sinner headed for hell by the blood of Jesus Christ and His resurrection. I have been saved and I will spend eternity with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And then look Him right straight in the eye and say, and hopefully you. Listen, one of the things that I have seen slowly escalate, it's growing. And I would say it's, it's, it's a weed. It's not something that we need to harvest. Music may get a crowd. But if you don't preach Christ, you'll never get a saved soul. Okay, I love music. I love it when the girls come up and sing. See, I am blessed. You guys don't understand this. I am truly blessed. Okay, I hear you sing every Sunday. When you sing, I receive. Okay, it don't get no better. That is the new song of the redeemed. And to hear you guys sing and it coming back at me is like, yeah, <laughs> we're on this thing. If you want a response, you have to preach Christ. Music is an expression of the Spirit-filled life. You know what's really crazy about that? That's the first thing he lists. What does he say? You'll have a melody in your heart. And you'll sing it to the Lord in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. A thing that just kind of chases over on that a little bit. You guys know how I am. I am not sure what good it is for unsaved people to sing our music. If it is a new song of our redemption, what benefit does that have to a lost person? The lost people expressing our new song. I'm not trying to be stingy or anything, but that's our music. We have it among ourselves. That's what he says here. Of yourselves. And please remember this. It is always directed to the Lord. It's the primary use of the music. It is why it is in our corporate sharing. When we come together collectively as a body of believers, one of the reasons we sing. Why? We have a new song. I remember the first time I ever heard a quote-unquote Christian song. I didn't hear the words. Didn't have no words to it. 
I found out later that it does. It's done to the High Scottish Highlanders Regimental Bagpipes. And everybody's heard it. Everybody's heard Amazing Grace on Bagpipes. The first time I heard it, I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. But I don't know if it was, I didn't know what Amazing Grace was. I'd never heard Amazing Grace. But I did like bagpipes, and that song was cool. Okay? Listen, when we come together, please understand something. We come together right now. We are the pillar and the foundation of truth. Okay? That is what the church is. But because we're the pillar and the foundation, and out there is nothing but what? Lies. Then this is a celebration of our lives together in Christ, and it's a praise to Him when we sing. That makes sense, doesn't it? It's not really music for the world. That's one of the things that drives me batty. Listen to the music in the church today. You could listen to it on any FM station. Now, I'm thankful that some of the musicians have gotten better. Because in the past, it was like, oh my gosh. Okay, but they've gotten better now. I remember hearing a lady up at uh, Cherry Hills. And I walked in, sat down, and she was going to do a solo. I have no idea what the words was, but if I shut my eyes, that was Janis Joplin. And you're sitting there going, wow, that's really good. I don't know what she said. I don't know whatever happened to her, but if you just shut your eyes, you're like, where am I? <laughs> I thought she was dead. It's not really, really music for them. Our new song don't fit them. Why would we want to make our new song fit them? It is sad when we want to sing a song to the world that we would take our songs and put them in the world's vernacular and we think that will be evangelistic. Uh, I had a couple of times we've had prayer meetings here with local pastors. You know what the biggest amazement of those guys is? And I wear it as a badge of honor now. You guys got hymnals. A blast from the past. And I think, wow, yeah. That's not the purpose of music in the scriptures. I've already showed you what it is. It's out of my heart that has been redeemed, overwhelmed by the presence of the living God singing to Him. We sing among ourselves. And you know what? I went back through history. It's a very sad time when the church don't sing. Uh, you may not know this. Uh, the Church of Rome robbed the Catholic Church of music for 1,500 years. It was heresy to sing. How about that? They took music away from the people. And do you realize that it wasn't until the Reformation before music made a comeback? 
But we're running out of hymn writers. The last hymn guy that I knew that was writing hymns is a guy named Boyce, Jim Boyce. He's, he's in glory now. But some of the stuff he wrote, you're like, whoa, man, that's like, that's 15, 1600s. Because you know what it was? He's an amazing theologian. And he loved music. I love music and I'm not amazing at anything. Then if you look in your hymnals, Stephanie was looking at it today, reading some of the stuff that is in there. It's kind of cute. But if you read in there some of the writers, authors of it, you will find that a majority of the big hymns okay, were written by the reformers. Go look at some of the stuff that Martin Luther wrote. I mean, just look in your hymnal. Just not right now. But go look. And you said, well, he wrote that? Martin Luther? I thought he was like a grumpy old preacher. Why? Because he was crying out. Reformers put uh, music back in the church. That was part of the reason they kept getting in trouble. You guys are having fun. Knock it off. Music for the people to sing. And the Roman Catholics took it away from them. Spirit-filled people sing. I mean, I, I go back to Paul and Silas. I'm under arrest for preaching the gospel. Stirring up the people, causing anxiety. Okay? They put me in stocks in a jail cell. So what do I do? You sing. And I mean, you say, well, but he was, you know, he was evangelist. He was, he, he sang. Why? Because he understood that even if this was his last day, he was redeemed and I'm going to sing out of the joy of my heart. And Silas says, let's do a duet. For us to be together is beautiful for us to hear us sing. So when you think about who do we sing to? Got it? We sing to each other. We sing to each other. Okay? I mean, and you can get some dandies. Drop, kick me, Jesus, to the goalposts of life. That's a classic. I don't know if it's in the hymnal. Why me, Lord? What did I ever do? That's good music. I think some of that, maybe not the goalposts of life, but some of that's got some theology in it. And I mean, Chris Christopherson? I tell you what, you want a weird one? I got a CD, I think it's two, two CDs of New Testament gospel hymns. And you know who wrote them? Bob Dylan. But he would take a text of scripture and he would put lyrics to it and describe the scripture. And you're sitting there going, Bob Dylan? Now, he doesn't sing on it. He just wrote it. He gets some people who can sing. So, so, but, but he wrote it. Michael Card. Uh, there's a bunch. You know what Elvis Presley got his only Grammy for? Gospel. The king of rock and roll. Because out of the heart will spring forth a melody. That is to the Lord.
Listen, I love hearing you guys sing. Um, because I hear you all. I mean, it's, it's different. You're sitting there uh, and you might get Kelly and Brian in the back of your head and pick up Janice in the back of your head and something like that. And, you know, I, I don't know. Ain't nobody listening to you, neighbor. <laughs> but I get to hear you all. And as a brother in Christ, that is a joy. That is a great, great joy. There was a guy that I heard he's a professional baritone. If you can find any of his music, uh, Jubilant Sykes. And when they introduce him, they said, Jubilant is going to come up and play his voice. And when you listen to him, you're like, wow. Even now, I got chills on my back. He did, uh, were you there when they crucified my Lord? And I don't think there was a dry eye in that place. And I mean, you're just sitting there going, whoa. You know, but there are people out there that have a talent that God has inspired. But when I think about Jubilant, and that's his real name. I don't know what his mom was expecting, but her dad or whatever. But he can sing and you can hear redemption in him. I mean, I've got a couple of his CDs and you just sit there and go, whoa. Okay. I love to hear that. When you are a laborer, servant of the Lord, to hear people singing forth a new song. We sing. We sing from a redeemed heart that is flat out overwhelmed. And therefore, it doesn't matter if you're on key, off key, left key or left out or whatever. Okay? You sing because your heart says, I am one of the redeemed. And that's why you sing. Okay, I love it. <laughs> I have two more questions to ask about this too, of ourselves. To whom do we sing? Ourselves. Ourselves. Okay, I have some other questions. You know, inquisiting minds want to know. So let's pray and we'll get inquisitive next week. Father, we love you. And Father, I pray that we will sing out. I pray that the joy of our salvation will stir our hearts in such a way that we are loud and we're theological. And Father, we pour it out to you. It's not to be a spectacle to others. It's not to impress others. Father, it is to share our emotions from our heart to the throne of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I love you, Lord. In Christ's name. Amen.